I got a, a request for you, and that is after the service is over and we're in the foyer drinking coffee and eating cookies, and I hope all of you stick around and visit a bit, I'd, I'd, I'd like you to at, at least twice as you walk up and talk to someone, tell them how much you weigh. <laughs> uh, just fooling. Some of you are thinking, man, I'm not sticking around. Uh, you know, you, some of you wouldn't have a problem with that, but uh, others of you might. And we don't tend to do that. Yeah, I got on the scale this morning, looked at it, and uh, I do that every morning to kind of try to keep it where it is. Let's suppose that during the sermon that God uh, supernaturally, miraculously prints a, a very visible number on your head, your forehead, somewhere between one and a hundred. And it represents the level of faith that you have. The level of faith that you have. And so after we get up after the service, we kind of notice everybody and it's like, whoa, he's been fooling people. Uh, not much there. What would yours be, do you think? One to a hundred. Your faith level. Uh, would you be one that is strong in faith or weak in faith? Much faith or little faith? Uh, the fact is, every one of you this morning has a level of faith. And uh, some of you are weak, little. Some of you are strong, much, in regards to faith. We're looking and going through the Gospel of John as a series. And uh, John is an interesting book in that it was written much later than most of the New Testament. John wrote it at the very end of his life, probably in his 90s. And uh, so he'd seen 50 years of Christianity, been involved in pastoring, and, and, uh, and so it was a, it's a thoughtful book. He says at the end of the Gospel of John, if everything that Jesus did were written in books, the world couldn't contain them all, but he only writes about seven miracles. Hey, you go through the Gospel of John, and most of those are not in the other Gospels. They're unique to the Gospel of John. And so because he picks seven, there's obviously a purpose or a reason for those. Uh, Turning water into wine was the first miracle recorded by John. This morning we'll read the second uh, in John chapter 4. Let me read it to you. John chapter 4, verse 46 through 54. Therefore he, Jesus, came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, the first miracle. And there was a royal official. Uh, this wasn't a Jewish individual. He was a, a Gentile, a royal official, whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus says to him, now this is an interesting statement, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. It's kind of a, uh, you know, if you could have been there and heard this and seen this, I think Jesus was yelling. It's obvious that he's upset. And so there's something about the request. The individual comes to Jesus, and uh, it's sort of a last-ditch effort. Maybe this will work. I've tried everything else. I think I'll see if this dude that's doing these miracles might be able to fix my son. And, and although you can't see it in the story, per se, Jesus did, and so he says to him, you simply will not believe. And so what we'll say is this individual, as you reread through the story, we'll see that he starts out what we'll call level one faith. That is very little. Just sort of, we'll call it a desperation. 
Nothing else has worked. Let's try this. And so Jesus reproves him for this low level of faith. And so uh, he could have walked away at that point, said, I tried. Uh, but he, instead it goes on and says, the royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So he persists, and we'll call that level two faith. That's faith that persists and keeps on, doesn't give up. And Jesus responds to it. Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. The man believed. Did you know that the, uh, John uses the word believe over a hundred times? It's his favorite word. Uh, he doesn't use the word faith. The word believe and, uh, is sort of his word for faith in the Gospel of John, but he uses it all through the book. And this story is a picture of an individual who starts out with very little, uh, then moves up a little bit, and now it says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke and started off. So we'll say the first level of faith is uh, desperation. Second level is persistence. Third level would be action. You actually do something because you believe something. James says, faith without works is dead. The man believed the word, the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. As he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed. He believes again, and this is sort of uh, the fourth level and his whole household. So the first level, that's desperation. Second level, persistent, you keep at it. The third level, it actually influences the way you act, the things you do. And the fourth level of faith is when people around you are influenced by your faith. It's contagious. It's passionate. Uh, it's so strong that you can't help but share it with others. And so this role official begins at the lowest level. I think I'll see if this Jesus dude can do something. And Jesus reproves him, and so he persists, and he, he keeps, and he asks again, and then Jesus says, your son is healed, and he believes him. And he takes off, and his son actually is healed, and he jumps into a, a new realm of living with level four faith that influences all those around him. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Now, I don't know about you, but I really would like to be a person who has great faith uh, and is growing. Um, and so we're going to talk about that this morning, how we can move from level one to two to three to four, become people, uh, champions uh, who have great faith and are strong in spirit. So if you have your notes, uh, we'll fill these in. Number one, the main word that determines whether we will live in heaven forever is the word believe. The word believe. Are you in heaven or are you not when you die? What determines that? Uh, the word believe. I, uh, over the last 40 years, have asked this question uh, probably hundreds of times. It's one that I learned when I was a freshman in Bible college. Uh, and that is this question. Suppose you died tonight and stood before God and he says to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And so I've asked that question over and over, and most of the time the answer I get back is, uh, well, I've tried uh, to be good, I've followed the golden rule, I, 
uh, I haven't beat my wife, you know, it's, it's, it's in reference to what they've done, how they've lived. And the Bible is clear that we get to heaven on the basis of faith, believing. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe, to those who believe in his name. John 3.15, so that whoever believes, believes in him, have eternal life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.18, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 5.24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. John 11.25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Number two, what brings God's judgment on a person and sends them to hell for all eternity is not that they are a bad person, but because they do not believe in Jesus. <clears throat> so Christmas Day at our house, all the, you know, the grandkids were there, everybody's there except the ones that live in Alaska and Hawaii, they didn't make it, uh, but everybody else is there. And I'm sitting in my chair and a cup of coffee and kids are everywhere and, and so... Uh, about six of the little grandkids get this present that's for me and they drag it out from under the tree and they're all excited and it takes all six of them to haul it over there and they bring it over to my chair and they say, Merry Christmas, Grandpa! And I open it up and say, I don't want this. Patty's counter in the kitchen, that's good enough. So, Would you think that my grandkids are bad, unloving, because I didn't take the present? Or would you think I was a jerk? So I hear people say all the time, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? Um, God has done everything for us to be able to live forever in heaven. He sent His Son, Jesus, emptied Himself of all that He was as God. He became flesh like you and I. He lived the life that we live. He died on a cross, and while He hung there, my sins, your sins, the sins of every living person were put on Him. He became that sin. He felt that sin. He grieved for that sin. He was ashamed of that sin. God the Father poured out His wrath on His own Son against that sin. He paid our price. And all that He would ask of us is that we would simply receive that gift by faith. Just say, thank you. I'll take it. But most don't. And then people have, um, I don't know what you'd call it, to say, how could a loving God send anyone to hell after he has done all of that? John 6.64, there are some of you who do not believe Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. John 7, 5, for not even his brothers were believing in him. John 8, 24, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John 12, 37, but though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. And so the believing is not an issue of uh, getting it. It's more an issue of pride. Um, 
I don't need that. I've done fine without that. Uh, and so we refuse uh, the gift. Number three, we all at any given time have a level of belief or faith. Some have little, some have a very strong faith. And so every one of us has a physical weight, every one of us has an IQ, every one of us has a, uh, oh, uh, any number of things we could measure, and all of us at this point in this room have a level of faith. Number four, the main thing that Jesus was critical of in people was having little faith. A number of years ago, we went on a short-term missions trip, I think, to Vietnam or Thailand, and there was an individual that was going on the trip that was relatively new to the church and wanted to go on a missions trip. And when we go on these trips, everybody pairs up uh, and, and is in a room together, in a motel room. And so he got paired up with me. And uh, we are in the motel room deciding who gets what bed and where the suitcase goes. And he says to me, <clears throat> this is really intimidating. I said, what's that? He says, rooming with you. You know, you're the pastor. Uh, uh, you know, it's just like you're going to be noticing everything I do and how I act and how I talk. To, I'm just really intimidated by this. I said, do you snore? He says, no. I said, you're good. You're good. That's all I care about. I mean, nothing else matters. That's all I'm interested in. Do you snore? And you're, you don't, so we're, wow, you're, you're, you're perfect as far as I'm concerned. So would it be intimidating to hang out with Jesus, room with Jesus? You know, really the only thing he cares about, the big deal with him, is how much faith do you have? As he interacted with his disciples, that was the, that was the thing that he uh, would get on their case about. Uh, John 4 again, uh, the ruler. Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he, he was at the point of death. And Jesus Again, see if you can hear him just sort of yelling, irritated. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. This was the issue with Jesus, with people. Matthew 8, 26, he said to them, why are, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? This was his disciples in the storm. He got up and rebuked the winds and sea, and it became perfectly calm. Peter attempts to walk on the water and sinks and Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Disciples went on a journey, forgot to take any bread. Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? <clears throat> Number five, we're capable of growing stronger in our level of faith. We have an infinite capacity to grow in this area. We can grow more and more and more. We can grow stronger and stronger and stronger every day of our life uh, in our faith level. We're created that way by God that we can become uh, super, super strong in our faith level. Romans 4.20, Abraham was a friend of God. He said, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith. Grew strong in faith. And that's what I want to do is to grow strong in faith every day to grow stronger. Number six, there's a level of faith beyond mere intellectual ascent that is required for us to be born again, adopted into God's family, given the gift of eternal life in heaven. So, the question again, suppose you died tonight and stood before God and he says to you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Uh, the answer is, I believe the gospel. 
But did you know that there's some individuals that they're going to say that and Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I don't know you. Why, why would he say that if they say, I believe? Well, because there's uh, levels of belief, of faith, and there is a level that's too low. It's what is termed intellectual assent. It's like, I believe in Abraham Lincoln. I believe in George Washington. What does that mean? Uh, I acknowledge that they existed. Uh, there are people today who say, I believe in Jesus. And that's not a faith statement. It's just a statement of intellectual assent. I believe that he actually existed as a person in history. It's not personal. Uh, it isn't in response to their need uh, for salvation, their need for forgiveness. It's just an intellectual assent to a historical fact. But many individuals think that they're in because they have this intellectual ascent, they have this low level of faith in a historical person. Uh, and it's going to be sad at some point in their life when they stand before God and they recognize that saving faith has a level uh, that's required of it. 2 Corinthians 13.5, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Uh, and so if you truly believe the gospel, uh, the term born again that John uses means there's a change uh, that's caused by God because of your level of faith. And that change, uh, the, the most marked thing about that change is that there is a desire and a hunger uh, to change, to grow. Uh, we want to be holy. We want to do better. It doesn't mean that we'll succeed, we'll fail miserably often, but there's always the desire, the want to, uh, to do better, to become closer. Uh, there's a love. There's a love in us for the Lord Jesus because of what He's done. Something happens on the inside. And so when Paul says, examine yourselves, is, uh, do you really believe? Uh, and has there been that heart change take place? Number seven, the strength of our faith determines the depth of our relationship with God in this life. So the question that was posed to me, Grandpa, do you like it? Everybody wanted to know if I liked it. I said, oh, wow, that's the best present I've ever gotten. Cool, I'm going to put that out in my greenhouse where I'm raising my, my fish and it'll be right handy right there and it's got water to it and it's got a sink and a place to run a tube down to put the guts in. Wow, this is like the best present I've ever gotten. It's great. You know when you buy a present for your wife, you think, what would she like? What would make her happy? Uh, God looks at your life. He has a relationship with us. What is it that just really pleases him? Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe, must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Number eight, the strength of our faith determines what we will do, what we will accomplish of significance in our life. You know, whether we'll walk on water, accomplish something significant, do something for God that matters, do something that's eternal and significant, change the lives of people. God is the one who blesses us with opportunities, open doors, the strength, the abilities to, to accomplish something with our life, and that happens with those who have faith. John chapter 14, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes, he who believes in me, 
The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. He who believes will do the things I've done and even more. Matthew 15, 28, Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. <clears throat> Matthew 17, 20, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, it will move nothing. Nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be impossible to you because you've got faith. I mean, not even a great faith, but just a mustard seed size faith. Uh, you can accomplish great things with your life. Number nine, the level of our faith determines how much strength we will have to manage trials. So I, I mentioned that we could share how much we weigh in the foyer after the service, and uh, you, it didn't sound like that went over well. Uh, so how much faith do you have? Zero to 100. How do you tell? You know the greatest test, the best test, the most accurate test of your faith level is what you do and how you talk and how you think when a trial comes into your life. That really determines whether you're trusting God, believing in Him uh, or not is how you respond to trials. James 1, 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, uh, sort of like taking a final in college. The testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, as your faith grows strong, you grow strong. As your faith grows strong, you can deal with life, with problems, with trials, uh, the stuff that comes into your life. You can manage it because you have a, a great faith, a trust in God, and you believe that He will take care of you, and He has everything planned Number 10, the level of faith in us determines the amount of joy and peace we will have in the midst of trials. So joy doesn't come from a new car. Uh, it doesn't come from a, uh, a vacation. It comes from God. God gives joy. He gives peace. He gives strength. And He gives it to those with great faith. And we can experience anything and still have joy and peace because of our faith. So... <clears throat> Let's say you're level one. You'd really like to move to level two. You'd really like to move to level three. You'd really like to become a person that Jesus would look at and say, wow, you've got great faith. Uh, I just built a greenhouse, and I'm going to grow some tomatoes in it uh, and some other plants. But I've never grown tomatoes before. You know, I hunt and fish. This is sort of a new area for me, and and if I ask any of you that maybe do that, how do you grow tomatoes? You could say, well, okay, first you do this, and then you do this, and this is really a good thing to do. You could give me some instructions on how to grow a tomato. Um, growing faith, your faith, is pretty much as simple as growing a tomato. Uh, there's, there's some basic things that you do, and when you do those faithfully, your faith will grow. Uh, if it's an issue of whether we'll do those, basic disciplines or whether we won't. So let me suggest to you some basic disciplines, easy to do, faithfully done, will cause your faith to grow great and greater. Number 11, choose to pray even when, level one, uh, even when you only have level one faith. And that is, choose to pray when you don't feel like it, choose to pray when you don't really think it'll do any good, because it's the very act of praying that will build your faith. Most of you know, you've heard me use it, the illustrations, uh, etc., that I have Parkinson's. 
And uh, one of the things that I discovered early on is that one of the things that keeps it pushed back is exercise, and so I've become an exercise nut. Uh, I run on my treadmill pretty much an hour every day. I ride on my bike uh, stationary now. It's on a stand. Uh, last night I got home from church. It was 9.30, and I went on a road on my bicycle uh, for 30 minutes. Uh, I have a, a little man room with a weight set in it, and I lift weights almost every day. Uh, and somebody says, you must like exercise. And I hate exercising. I mean, it's so much nicer just to sit in my chair and drink coffee and watch TV and pet my dog. Uh, got home last night. I didn't want to go out and ride my bike. That's the last thing on the earth I wanted to do. I mean, I just didn't, I was tired. I was sort of emotionally wrung out. I didn't want to go out and sit on that bicycle seat and pedal for 30 minutes. But I did because I know the results if I don't. At this point, my Parkinson's is nothing more than an inconvenience. Uh, I can preach, I can walk, I can hunt, I can fish, I can bicycle across the country, I can do anything and everything that almost any of you can do. But it's contingent on that faithful discipline every single day, which I never want to do. Um, you know why people don't pray? Because they're too busy and they really don't think it'll make that much difference. And so when you do that, when you act like that, when you respond that way, then you stay there. That is uh, weak faith, low faith, no faith. Uh, Luke 18, 1, Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray. At all times they ought to pray. That is, they ought to pray a lot. and Not to lose heart. Lose heart means get discouraged, not believe saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, did not respect man. There was a widow in that city. She kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent for a while. He was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, <clears throat> even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. She was just a great nagger. And so he got tired of the nag and I said, okay, 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 I'll do it. Uh, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, there's a problem. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Uh, will he find faith on the earth? Number 12, prayer is an act of believing that God exists. When you pray, you, you're, I believe God exists. You're, believe, uh, you're believing that he hears and that he will act in response to our prayers. So you begin with an act of desperation. I, nothing else has worked. I think I'll try this. And then you move up with persistence. That is, you keep on, keep on, you keep on, you keep on, you don't give up. And you begin to see God working and your faith just grows uh, because you pray. So it's uh, December 28th close to 2015. It's a good time to be making some goals for the year 2015. Did you know that just 15 minutes a day praying would make a huge difference in your faith level? Uh, but most people don't do that because they don't think about it. They're too busy. They really don't believe it'll make that much difference. And so if it's going to happen with you in your life, it's probably going to take a goal that is a very clear, precise date with God, place and time, Prayer notebook uh, really helps. That is where you have the names of people that you're praying for, family members, neighbors, etc. It could be uh, electronic on your phone, an iPad, or a notebook, but it's almost uh, essential that you have that in order for it to. And just make it happen. It's a discipline. It's like riding your bike. 
uh, going on a diet. It's not easy, it's not fun, but you do it and you will grow mighty in faith. You'll grow strong in faith. Just 15 minutes a day will make a huge difference. Number 13, reading your Bible every day is a major, major, big-time way that God has provided for us to grow our faith. Somebody says, you know, how do I know the Bible's true? I said, read it. Well, I, why would I read it if I don't believe it's true? If you read it, then what will happen is that God will work. The, the Bible is living. It's, it's living. It's active, and God works through it. It's amazing how when you read it, pretty soon you believe it. Somebody asked me last night, okay, I'm going to do it. Where shall I start? Start with the Gospel of John. <clears throat> God, isn't that where you're preaching? That is. I'll be on there for a year. Just start with the Gospel of John. It's one of the easiest books to understand. It's very powerful in giving faith. That's the theme of the book. Just read the Gospel of John. How many times did I read it? Yeah, read it once a day. That's a lot. Okay, read it once a week. That's too much. Read it once a month. Just read the Bible systematically, faithfully, and your faith will grow. In the foyer is this little thing. Uh, it's the JBC Bible reading plan at 17 minutes a day. Uh, on an average, to read the JBC Bible reading plan. You do this, you'll read the Old Testament through once, the New Testament through twice, Psalms twice, Proverbs once a month. That's quite a bit of Bible, 17 minutes a day. It'll make a huge difference in your faith level. And so, I mean, you can do nothing, uh, and most do because they're too busy, um, but if you want your faith to grow, you're going to have to do something. Uh, it isn't going to happen on its own. John chapter 20, verse 31, these have been written so that you may believe. John says, this is why I wrote the gospel of John, so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so read what's been written, the Bible, it's living, it's active, and your faith will grow. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. 14, faithfully gathering together with other believers. Super important. Now, not my idea. You know, if God would say, how about writing out a description, a plan for growing in faith? I mean, mine would have been way different than God's, but he's in charge. He is God. He's the one who gives faith. He's the one who rewards faith. And so he's the one who said, this is what will produce great faith in your life. Spend time with me in prayer. Read my word every day and spend time with other believers because it's powerful in the way that you encourage and motivate and build and instill faith in each other. A story I heard a number of years ago was a missionary who smuggled Bibles into the Soviet Union. And uh, after the Soviet Union fell apart, he was able to go in and freely and took boxes of Bibles, went into a particular church that they had smuggled a Bible into, and they had one, and they would gather together and read it together when it was uh, illegal. And then everybody got a Bible. They were all excited. They got a Bible. He went back a year later and they came to the meeting and they all gave the Bibles back to him. And he was shocked. Don't you believe it anymore? He said, no, yeah, we believe it. But the problem is, is that when we had our own Bible, we didn't meet together anymore. He said, when we met together, uh, because we had one Bible, we were strong. Now we've become weak. And so they gave the Bibles back and went back to one. Um, that's just the way God's made it. We grow strong uh, when we hang out together. First Thessalonians 3.2, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. 
Philippians 1.25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress, your progress and joy in the faith. Romans 1.11, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. That is, my faith uh, builds your faith, your faith builds my faith as we uh, fellowship together. 15. Good preaching and teaching of the Bible will give faith to those who listen. God said, I, He chose the foolishness of preaching. Foolishness, that's the world's opinion. Uh, but it's God's method. And so every week when I'm w- working on my sermon and, and studying and writing, I, I pray, Lord, uh, this is a, the most intimidating responsibility on the planet Earth is to teach your word and to do it in such a way that those who hear grow in faith. And so I, I, I plead with him uh, to work in me, uh, to anoint me, to work in you so that this experience each week is a builder of faith in your life. That's the way God intended it to be. First uh, Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction, our preaching is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. A sincere faith. 16, meditating on and reviewing the gospel. The gospel, Jesus is God. He is God, almighty, infinite God, always existed, always will. He became man. He emptied himself of all that he was as God, became flesh and dwelt amongst us, was born on Christmas Day that we celebrate, lived a perfect, sinless life, was nailed to a cross, and while he hung there, my sins, all of them, the big and the little, were all put on him, and he became that sin. God looked at him as if he actually did it, punished him in my place, Paid the penalty of my sins. He died on that cross, was buried. He rose again. He's alive today, and I will live with him for all eternity. The gospel is supernatural. As you meditate, you think, uh, you go over it, it builds your faith. Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, from faith to faith. Level one, level two, level three, level four, to great faith. To faith to faith, that is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Seventeen, sharing our faith for the purpose of bringing someone else to Jesus is incredibly powerful and stimulating growth in our own heart. So this royal official, he comes to Jesus and his son is dying. He doesn't know what to do. And he'd never met Jesus, just heard the stories. And he goes and says, could you heal my son? And Jesus reproves him. And he persists. And, and then Jesus heals his son. And he grows. And then his whole household believes. Those around him. He's contagious. And if your faith becomes strong, that's what will happen those around you will be attracted to your faith, uh, will become believers uh, in the gospel because of you. And as you pray for people, as you invite them, as you talk to them about what's happened in your life, your faith will grow in the act of sharing. And in fact, there's probably nothing that will grow your faith as much as simply giving it away. It will multiply many times over. 18, when our faith stops growing and become stagnant, there's the very real danger of falling away from God. Now, I, you know, I, uh, after I gave this to Miss Krause to print up and put in the bulletin, I changed my mind, but it's too late. Uh, sometimes I sort of buffer statements so as not to create a reaction. Uh, 
and I did on this one, and I, and I afterwards thought I, I shouldn't have said it like that. I, I, I wrote it here, when our faith stops growing and becomes stagnant, there's the very real danger of falling away. The fact is that it, it should have been written this way, when our faith stops growing and becomes stagnant, we will fall away. It's an absolute guaranteed... Uh, see, there's no such thing as stagnant, plateaued faith. It doesn't stay there very long and it simply goes backwards, goes downhill. And so, uh, growing our faith is absolutely essential if we don't want to fall away from God. Uh, that's guaranteed. And uh, growing your faith is not hard to understand. It, it, it's really not hard to do, but most don't do what's required because it takes some time and we're busy. Uh, 15 minutes a, a day of praying, 15 minutes a day reading your Bible, uh, getting together with other Christians, making a list of people around you that don't know Jesus and praying for them and, and uh, inviting them to events and sharing with them what has happened in your life. Um, just some sort of basic things. December 28th, a good time to make some goals for next year. And you can sort of headlight uh, your goal sheet with uh, growing my faith strong is my purpose in 2015. And this is what I will do uh, in order to become mighty in spirit and strong in faith. Uh, guaranteed, it works. You just have to do the disciplines. Um, and you will become a person that moves level one, level two, level three, level four. You'll be a world changer on the basis of the faith that you have. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are God Almighty. You've created everything that exists and um, you expect that we will walk by faith, not by sight. At some point, we'll enter into heaven and we'll see you clearly, hear you. But in the meantime, we walk by faith and you reward faith, you bless faith, you use faith. You provided us everything that we need to grow strong so that we um, see with our faith eyes as clearly as we would with our physical eyes and we accomplish great things with our life. We do things that matter. We're full of joy and strength because of our faith that's become strong. I pray that each one of us would determine and, and act and, and do the things that you will use to build us and to make us strong. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.